hate your whimper. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, we're continuing on with the top 80 albums of 1982. We're into the top 30 now, starting off here with album number 30, and the self-titled one and done album by a project called Hughes Thrall, which is the great Glenn Hughes and guitarist Pat Thrall. And a little one off here. And it's a shame they never had any other records uh, under this project because I really dig this record. Obviously, I like it enough that it ranked in here at number 30. This album came out at the end of the summer of 1982 in August. Produced by Hughes Thrall, also the great Andy Johns, and also Rob Forboni. Don't know anything about him, but I will look him up later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, running into Glenn Hughes on these countdowns is always a good time for me. Guy is massively underrated in the overall grand scheme of things and the history of rock and roll, hard rock, what have you. Even known decently as a great blue-eyed soulman. Current lead singer of the Dead Daisies. I mean, the guy does it all. So if you haven't heard this Hughes Thrall record yet, go check it out. To entice you, here's one of my favorite songs off of this album. The song is called Hold Out Your Life. Hold out your life. 
kicking off the show here today and coming in at number 30 on our top 80 albums of 1982, that was Hugh Thrall with their self-titled record and the song Hold Out Your Life. Hope you enjoyed that. A thing that I extra enjoy out of a song like that is that that particular track features guest drumming by one of my favorite power drummers of all time, late great Frankie Benali appears on that track, and he plays on one other song on that record as well. Uh, but yeah, he plays on two songs on that record, so just that extra credit right there, having Frankie in there. Miss that guy. And speaking of missing things, there was plans for a Hughes Thrall 2 album sometime in the 90s or 2000s or something like that. I remember reading something about that recently, actually, but it never materialized. So after this record, Glenn and Pat wouldn't work together for another five years. They reunited in 1987. You're going to love this because I love this. (laughs) So they reunited in 1987 to work on the song City of Crime for the Dragnet soundtrack. And that's the one that has Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd rapping on it. So when you hear the singing and guitar playing on that particular track... That's Hughes Thrall right there, so good times. I love Seated Crime, and I love that Dragnet movie. So to find that out just like a couple of years ago, I actually think I found that out via the Bizarre Albums podcast, if I'm not mistaken. But just finding out that that's Hughes Thrall in there, it's pretty great. Okay, moving over here, album number 29. Oh, we're getting close. Number one is upon us, isn't it? But yes, until then, number 29, we got the debut quote-unquote full-length album by the misfits the album walk among us now i think i misspoke earlier i said that the circle jerks album was the second shortest of the entire countdown but walk among us has a beat it's not as short as milo goes to college but it's close the clock's in just a little over 24 minutes but it's got a ton of fan favorites on here and i like me some misfits i like the glenn stuff i like the michael stuff just saw him recently so But I still think I have this album exactly where it needs to be here on this chart. But it's weird to think that this was their first real full length. They had like a ton of singles out prior to this. I mean, they've been around since the late 70s. But yeah, this album, of course, has a lot of the Misfits fan favorites and classics on here. And as of today, this is my favorite song on the record. It's actually been my favorite for a while in an album full of fun songs. But I'm going to go with this one right here. This is Hate Breeders.
Misfits right there, Hate Breeders, from the album Walk Among Us, their first proper album. It comes in here at number 29, and moving over to 28, with another guy that has a lot of good punk rock credibility. In my eyes, he does. This guy was a true original. I mean, he definitely took some influence off of some obvious people, like Alice and Bowie, especially Bowie and Mark Bolin and people like that. But he made it his own thing, and that's the important part. Adam Ant, who... This technically is his debut solo album, Friend or Foe, which came out October 11th of 82, produced by Marco Peroni. Back to my train of thought. Well, they say it's his first solo album, but it's actually his fourth album. But it's his first album is just Adam Ant. It was Adam and the Ants before this. But I think it maintains a lot of the same attitude and approach and stuff like that. Obviously, Friend or Foe, a little bit poppier, obviously, as a lot of people do when they go solo. But damn, this is a solid record. This is the first time I had ever heard about him. So one of my earliest musical memories is definitely of Adam Ant. And, of course, Goody Two-Shoes, which, damn, that's a perfect pop song, if there is any. Just has all the catchiness, all the fun. I wanted to spotlight this one because this is a really good song in its own right, and it doesn't get a lot of recognition, so I'm going to throw some recognition out to it. So here you go, from Friend or Foe, this is Adam Ant with Desperate But Not Serious. Yes. 
there with desperate but not serious from friend or foe that is a fun record for sure go check it out if you've never heard the whole thing go listen to it i recommend it it's high enough on this list that you should definitely check it out anything basically from this episode on you must hear them okay speaking of fun i'm always having a good time when this band's on talking about crocus a band that was on their sixth overall full-length album March 1st 1982 produced by Tony Platt the album is called one vice at a time it's a lot of fun I did dock it a couple of points for the American woman cover not a big fan of that song almost even if Crocus is doing it it's better in their hands for sure for my money better than the original better than Lenny Kravitz version but that's the only thing that really hurt the album and maybe a couple of filler tracks of course, it's got one of their signature songs, Long Stick Goes Boom, on there, which all the ACDC comparisons. Also, Tony Platt, I believe, actually worked for ACDC, so the comparisons continue. And I recently obtained the Crocus box set on vinyl last year, and I've already been through it a couple of times. I love it. That was a great purchase on my part. So yeah, I'm a I'm a Crocus fan. And obviously very tempted to play Long Stick Goes Boom. But I'm going to go with the second track here on this record. An equally awesome rocker in my book. So turn it up for this one right here. Bad Boys, Ragdolls. <laughs>
Coming in at number 27 right there. That is the great Crocus in the album One Vice at a Time with Bad Boys, Rag Dolls was the name of that song. And here's another fun record in a different kind of way, but moving over here to album number 26 here on the countdown, along with the Misfits, a band that I also recently saw and on the same bill is the debut album. It's actually just called The Record by Fear. I've been a big fan of this album for a long time. I had known about a few of these songs. I got into this album via some of the covers that were out there. I'm going to be straight up honest with you about this. Guns N' Roses covered I Don't Care About You on the Spaghetti Incident. And that was the first time I'd heard that song. I'd seen a clip of them playing that on the Decline of Western Civilization Part 1 at one point, like on a highlight reel. I never put it together that that was the same song. But yeah, I love that GNR version. So I, you know, got fear on my radar, those two things. And then around the same time, I had heard the SOD Live at Budokan album, the live album at the Ritz. And they had covered this song that I'm about to play for you right here. So yeah, let's just get into it right here to represent the record by fear. One of the great punk rock albums of all time for my money. So keep your volume cranked up like you did for Crocus for this one right here. This is I Love Living in the City. number 26 on our countdown right there fears the record that song was called i love living in the city of course it was i failed to mention that album did come out on may 16th 1982 it was produced by gary lebeau so that's kind of weird so you know the infamous saturday night live appearance that they're known for was that was like months before the album came out so it's kind of weird they couldn't really capitalize on that appearance right away 
So I guess they would just hope that people remembered it. I mean, it was very memorable for sure. I think I had seen a documentary at one point saying that was the first instance of any kind of moshing and stage diving on national television. So there you have it. If you've never seen that Saturday Night Live appearance, go look it up. The only reason they even got to play Saturday Night Live, because that's not a band that they was going to be on that show at all, but they wanted John Belushi to come back to guest host that week, and he would only do it under the condition that his favorite band in the world at that point play the show, and that band was Fear. John was big into the punk rock scene in Los Angeles, so that comes as no surprise. You can find pictures of him hanging out with all those bands, all the way from Fear to the Go-Go's, man. He was the real deal. So the next album here, this was an important record for me because as 1982 bled into 1983, I was really waking up to music as far as like really getting into it and starting to learn things about music. So this album was very important to me. And you might say, hey, this is kind of an all-covers record. I mean, it's mostly covers. There are three originals on it, but I feel like only two of the cover songs on this album or anything that was going to be like a cheat as far as covering a big hit. So I'm going to say it's a full-length album and not a not an end. There's definitely some bias there, in my opinion here, but I think it should count. It should be on a list like this, because it was important to me. It was probably important to a lot of people. But yeah, an early guitar hero for me right here, and George Thurgood. George Thurgood and the Destroyers, of course. This album, Bad of the Bone. This album came out on August 9th of 1982, and it was self-produced. I think even just the approach of the production and everything, and just kind of playing whatever you want. I definitely hear a lot of punk rock attitude in a lot of these George Thurgood records. So, you know, it's blues-based, but it's definitely a harder edge blues. So it's, it's not so much white boy blues either, because it's not lacking in any kind of attitude and any kind of rawness. I think that's the cool thing about George is even though he wasn't, you know, one of the old schoolers, he definitely respected all those old schoolers and he took this thing and made it his own and it it didn't seem like a bad hijacking or any kind of cultural misappropriation. So yeah, that's why I think George is the real deal. He didn't really seem to give a shit what I or anybody else would think either, but I respect him, I appreciate him. Thankfully, he doesn't seem to be like a Ted Nugent type either. So he's got that going for him as well. Who knows, right? But anyway, back to this album here. How could I not, really? This is still one of my favorite songs of all time. You've heard it in all the movies and all the TV shows. And it makes me think of Married with Children now, which is not a bad thing. So yeah, here you go. Let's crank this the hell up and wake the neighbors. Of course, it's bad to the bone. Bad. 
Coming in number 25 on the top 80 albums of 1982. That was George Thorogood and the Destroyers with Bad to the Bone. I can't really do it that well, but it's fun to do. But yeah, it sounds cliche, and I know you've heard that song a hundred million times. Maybe you didn't need to hear it again, but I needed to hear it again, most importantly. Also, I gotta say, if you're gonna make a you know a mixtape or a burnt CD or a mini playlist, and you gotta define what rock and roll is, if it's me, I'm putting bad to the bone on that comp because it's still friggin' rules. All right, moving over here. Album number 24. This is a rough one because it's going to be the last album by this artist. And that wasn't his decision, which makes this ultimately tragic. Uh, before he was murdered, uh, Marvin Gaye put out, geez, check this out, his 17th studio album here on November 8th, 1982. The album is called Midnight Love. It is what it says it is. It is a smooth-ass record that I'm sure a lot of people put on it made a lot of babies to it, let's just say. I mean, of course, the big song, Sexual Healing. And the whole thing just, it, it is a bit of a journey. It's got like a little bit up-tempo stuff. It's, you know, it's got some smooth ballads. Overall, it's really a fun record. It's not a somber thing because, you know, he was very focused when he made this album. He had kind of fallen off a little bit creatively and as far as any kind of ultra chart success. And this one brought him back from a real low. So it makes the murder all the more tragic. It's always tragic anyway, but the fact that he was on an upswing and this happened, it just, it just sucks. But getting back to this record right here, he had self-produced it. It sounds great, so you should check it out. If you've only ever heard Sexual Healing, I'm going to give you another one to check out here. It's just an instant good mood right here. So this is the kickoff track for Midnight Love. It's called Midnight Lady.
All right. Give me an instant smile right there, even after talking about the tragedy of Marvin Gaye not being with us anymore. But that was Midnight Lady from Midnight Love. Hope it put a little pep in your step right there. So, yes, let's continue on with, unfortunately, someone else who is no longer with us. But let's celebrate his music as we did with Marvin. Tom Petty, of course. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. They put out their fifth album on November 2nd, 1982. An album called Long After Dark, co-produced by Tom and Jimmy Iovine, who produced a lot of their records I didn't know that he had done that. I never really noticed that Jimmy produced those Heartbreaker records. I only just knew him as the head honcho from Interscope for the longest time. So finding out that in retrospect, it's interesting to me. But yeah, this one's definitely a sister album to Hard Promises for me. I think You Got Lucky is really the song that sticks out. And it's a standout song for a reason. It's a great song. And Change of Heart, cool, straight up thing. That Change of Heart could have been on Hard Promises. It's kind of why I look at it as companion records. They're one year apart, so it totally makes sense. And after this, he would take three years off. And I know he had some health issues, but he took that time off and came back with Southern Accents after this album. So so Long After Dark, it's not an album I put on all the time, but I really enjoyed it on this go-round. And it, it kind of landed where I thought it was going to land on the countdown here. But I ran to this song on my latest listen of it, and I was like, I'm going to put that on the show because it's a really good gem. I never really noticed it before, but it stuck out this time along with You Got Lucky. But going with this one right here, here's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with Deliver Me.
Um, it just feels so right hearing that classic Heartbreakers sound right there. That was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with Deliver Me from Long After Dark. So further reason why you should dive deep on all of the Tom Petty albums because you're going to find cool songs like that as well. So do yourself a favor if you haven't done that yet. Go on that big journey there with Tom and the Heartbreakers. So moving on to this album right here, quite a bit less meat and potatoes, a little more artsy, but it's a really cool record, a very important record for 1982, and features some really great songs. I mean, this guy is a great writer anyway, uh, but I gotta say, he's also a ballsy son of a bitch, because his first three albums, very basic in approach, they're all really great, and then after the third album, he pretty much broke up his band and went on just this crazy journey of, hey, I'm just going to play the kind of music that I want to play. Because I guess he was like, now or never. <laughs> so it's like, let's start experimenting after the third record. And he went hard, like on this fourth album, did a whole swing record. And by the time he did this fifth record right here, he was getting into more introspective, conceptual-based stuff. But I'm talking about Joe Jackson. I'm a big Joe Jackson fan. So his fifth album here, Night and Day, which... Definitely a big seller for him, and that's definitely due to Stepping Out, which Stepping Out is, once again, one of those perfect songs, and that song is good enough to carry this whole record. But some of the other really great songs from his career are on this album as well. Breaking Us in Two is a great song. Real Men is really cool, like, just to hear him talk about that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe it's autobiographical. I don't know. He's never really come out and said that. But it's interesting to hear it on record. But I'm going to call this the main set closer before we get to the encore. A little more up-tempo thing I got planned for you here at the end. But I like this as a main set closer. And the first time I actually heard this song was a live version. It blew me away. And the studio version's almost as good. Not quite as good, but still good as a closer in a sense here. And it's the last song on the record for good reason. So to represent the Night and Day album by Joe Jackson, this is A Slow Song.
Oh, yeah, that song never fails to give me the chills. That is a great song. That was a slow song by Joe Jackson, the closer on the night and day record. Hope you enjoyed that. It's a good one to just sit back, close your eyes, and just, you know, escape with that particular song. So, yes, the show's not over yet, though. I mean, yes, that's a great closer. But like I said, that was the main set closer. We're going to get to the encore right here with the last song on this particular episode. And it comes via my favorite, favorite of all time, Alice Cooper. His album, Zipper Catches Skin, his seventh solo record, recorded in the midst of one of his blackout periods, this massive drug binge he was on, and crazy stuff. And supposedly he doesn't remember recording any of these records or not a whole lot about them. He doesn't have any insight, really. Kind of have to leave it to some of the people who played on and produced these albums. The producer in question here is a guy named Eric Scott, who I had found out that he was associated with Flo and Eddie, and I think he was in their band, which is how he would have gotten to meet Alice for sure. Uh, We got this album here, Zipper Catches Skin, came out on August 25th of 1982. Uh, Of the Blackout albums, I would say this is my third favorite although it's pretty neck and neck with Flush the Fashion. And there's some songs on this album that I would love to hear him play to this day. I think Tag Your It would be cool to play. I'd even be down with, you know, something like Make That Money or Even I Am The Future. And uh, by the way, I'm going to pay off my tease from a few episodes ago. Patty Donahue of The Waitresses does a guest vocal on the I Like Girls song. So there you have it. Two unique individuals right there coming together and having a cool duet on this weird-ass record. Uh, A record that also has a lot of contributions from Dick Wagner. Can never be a bad record, in my opinion. So he's all over this as well. He co-wrote most of this album. And (laughs) another really wild song on here. The song I'm Alive at the very end. That was the day my dead pet returned to save my life. That's a crazy-ass song. I love it. I would even like to hear that one live. What do you think of that? But... My ultimate wish in bringing a song back from the dead to have in the set list currently is easily this one right here. My favorite lyrics on the whole record. It's a fun song. It's a funny song. I think if they started playing that song live, even people that don't know the song, they would respond to it because it's so out there and fun and wild. So here you go. To close off this particular episode, my absolute favorite song from Alice's Zipper Catches Skin album. It's I Better Be Good.
If I spray it on the seat, lady gonna tire, baby not in the meat. If I spew too fast, lover gonna stick my wrangler in a cast. If zipper grab skin, I know I had it out when I should have kept it in. Out. I better be good. I better be good. I better be good. Oh. Better be. You better be. You better be. So for the benefit of those who haven't heard this story, and I told this story years ago on the show, but I'm going to tell it again because how could I not? So I met Alice Cooper for the one and only time to date back at this radio convention at this short-lived rock station out here called The Bone. They threw this little mini convention to hype up the station, and they brought in Alice Cooper as their special guest. Back when you didn't have to pay to meet these people. So that was cool. I waited in line for at least a couple of hours to meet Alice. And so I thought about it and spent that time psyching myself down so I wouldn't be all stupid and crazy and just do the same old tired shit that everybody does to Alice, like we're not worthy or you rule or anything like that. I tried to have something to say that might leave some sort of impression on him. So my approach was I would thank him for being really cool to the loyal hardcore fans. And it's like, I know you need to play these certain songs, but I appreciate the fact that you go deep pretty much through the rest of the set. And I've heard so many great songs upon seeing him live for the handful of times I had seen him at that point. So that's really what I wanted to say to him. Maybe I could do it in a short time, you know, before they move me along. And I said, I have a request. And he's like, yeah, sh- sure, go ahead, man. And he signed my Welcome to My Nightmare record, by the way, which I still have. And I said, you think you could dig out I Better Be Good? Because I think that song would work really well live. It's funny. And I just think it's a cool song that people should hear. And he looked at me, kind of stared and goes, you know... I don't think anybody's requested that song in, uh, he stops, pauses, like, you know, I don't think anybody's ever requested that one. And then he pauses again. He goes, what album is that on? (laughs) I said, it's, it's on Zipper Catches Skin. So it makes total sense that you just asked me that question. So no harm, no foul, Alice. I, I understand. And he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to it, see what happens. You know, and that was it. That was our meeting, our little powwow there. 
And as years have gone on, I've actually mentioned this like vehemently to Ryan Roxy and Chuck Garrick and a few other people currently in his band. So at least three people that are currently in Alice's band, including the man himself, has been requested this by me personally. So it's kind of one of my goals is to get this song on the set. Fingers crossed, maybe it'll happen. It probably won't. But every time I buy a ticket to see Alice Cooper, I hope, hey, maybe tonight's the night, right? Yeah, not likely. But if you ever hear it in the set, if you go to a show and you hear it, I'm taking full credit for it. Okay, closing off the show here today, that was said song, I Better Be Good, from Zipper Catches Skin. If I needed to remind you, I had to remind Alice. Yes, there's my fun little story. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope you're enjoying this massive retrospective on 1982 as I attempt to do a decent countdown of the top 80 albums of 1982. Please join me tomorrow where we'll get into the top 20. The last two episodes are upon us. And these have been great albums that we've focused on this episode. The top 20 is no joke think I do have them in the absolute right order. I'll try not to cop out too much and say, hey, this is tied for this, this is tied for that. It should be the absolute definitive top 20 for me of the year 1982. So I'm excited for you to hear it. I'm excited to get this off the list and move on to the other things I have going on before we drop the ball on 2022 and get into 2023. But until tomorrow, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure, and the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business, Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. To hell with it.